Hi, Sam. Hi, Lauren. Are you ready to talk about Interview with a Vampire? I am, because after all, we are the watchers of movies. dance like, every time you sing the song <laughs> like the flapper dance yeah that's yeah. just called my finger wagon dance what, what was it 21 skidoo 20 is it 20 is it 21 no it's not <laughs> you know what i'm talking about it's like a, no it sounds like you're just saying words <laughs> just making up shit 21 um, skidoo sounds like a military <laughs> salute at a funeral <laughs> 21 skidoo no it's giving like, the 21 skidoo <laughs> it's like um i don't know i saw it like in an episode of bob's burgers where they were um the kids were at a like great gatsby birthday party for like a kid and they were like doing some like sort of dance where they were like wagging their finger and they're calling it like like the 20 it's like 22 skidoo or 21 i don't know now i don't know (laughs) i'm looking it up just because 22 skidoo urban dictionary 22 skidoo and 23 skidoo can be used interchangeably. The phrase originated in New York City. It was the result of policemen having to disperse groups of pervy men who would hang out near the 23rd (laughs) Street subway stop to watch women's skirts get blown up by air coming up from the subway air shaft to the sidewalk. (laughs) Wow. I think that guy over there is a cop and we better stop insert illegal activity and 22 skidoo <laughs> wow that is that is so funny insert illegal activity <clears throat> yeah it generally refers to leaving quickly being forced to leave quickly by someone else or taking advantage of a propitious opportunity to leave <laughs> so you know what you don't just learn about movies on our podcast no you don't you don't at all So we're going to be taking a little break. Um, I've had some personal stuff going on in my life, so I need a little bit of time off, you know, catch up on our old episodes or whatever. (laughs) Yeah, we got a little R&R time. We've been working hard on quarantine, so. Yep, yep. The quarantine blues are catching up with one of us anyway, both of us really. Right. Yeah, it's been hard. It's been pretty hard. Yeah. So they've been watching this show that um, one of our friends, Samantha, had recommended to me. It's called Devious Maids. Oh, and- my gosh. <laughs> <laughs> what? Devious Maids? <laughs> yeah. And it's just as dramatic as you think it would be. <laughs> and I fucking love it. Like, I got Is it super- a reality show? <laughs> no, no, no. Oh, it's okay. like, um, it's a, it's a, um it's a what is it called (laughs) scripted it's a scripted show um but it's like about this woman this maid that was murdered and so this other woman's trying to figure out like who killed her because her son was like wrongly accused of murder and I gotta tell you it's so over the top and so dramatic and I fucking love it it's so (laughs) fun and like like I immediately got into it. It was one of those things where I was like, 
I'm not going to be that into it. And then within like two episodes, I was like, so I need to obviously know everything that happens like immediately because <laughs> what's going on? <laughs> so basically you started it the way you start every single show you've ever started. <laughs> I'm obsessed. I need to know. I need to watch their entire Like if I had a dollar for every time you started out something that way, <laughs> I could just quit, and quit my job. <laughs> Is there anybody famous in it? Um... There is the uh, Susan Lucci from I think she was like All My Children or something. Oh yeah, yeah. And there's like the the dad from Seventh Heaven who I think is in is in maybe like in prison right now, like in, in real, real life. life. Yeah, I think he got caught with child pornography. Oh boy. Yeah, Jeez. I'm not sure. I should look it up. Yeah, I I, don't really- I haven't heard that, but you want me to look it up? Yeah, sure. Look it up. Okay, hold on. So no, he's not in prison. However, he has um, admitted to sexual conduct with m- minors. Yikes! So is it he- is it on Netflix? The show? Yeah, it's on Hulu. Oh, okay. And um, who else is in it? Uh, Rosalind Sanchez. She's kind of famous. Mm. The woman, the like Hispanic woman from Scrubs. Oh, okay. Yeah. I know who she is. And, and I know this one woman. She was in Heroes. She played Maya in Heroes, and I hated her character in Heroes, but I love her in this. So I used to do – here's – you've <laughs> tapped into something that's I've never thought about since it happened. But when Heroes first came out, I watched the first season. It was so good. Uh, Maya's brother – I used to do an impression of him. I'm not going to do it. I'm just going to clarify, oh, oh, I'm not no, going to do So it. you watched the second season, because she's not in the first one, she's in the second one. Okay, because yeah. I knew that it was stupid, like there was some stupid stuff happening in that season, and so I stopped watching it. It was terrible. Okay. Well, no, what so happened watched- is like, sorry, one second, like what happened is she had this power, and he like could help her control it, and then he got killed or something and disappeared, and she like never mentioned him again, even though that was her twin brother. I didn't, I didn't hate her so much because like of like her as an actress i hated her character because i thought she was really fucking stupid like i was just i thought she was a pointless character but anyway, yeah i used to saying? do i just i used to do an impression of him because i felt like his only lines were saying her name like that was all he did through the whole show was just say her name <laughs> yeah and so in the very small audience that would have been interested in an impression from a b character in the show heroes <laughs> i would do that and it got mediocre laughs man heroes i haven't thought about that show like talk about a show that had had me very excited before it started and then like a show that started at the top of the mountain and just like you roll down the mountain and it just gets progressively worse the more you watch it i know yeah it's like it's like the the thing is like the first season was brilliant it was it was like revolutionary in its writing it was I think hands down, probably one of the best first seasons of any show I've ever seen. Like I'm still like a huge fan of that, of Mm. that season. And I like, I had a huge thing for Mohinder. I fucking loved (laughs) Mohinder. Like, oh my God, girl, he was so cute. (laughs) Um, and but yeah, what happened is the the writer strike happened around then. I think this was like 2006 or something. Yeah. 
what happened is they just didn't have the writers that they had for the first season. So it really, it went downhill very fast because they didn't, there wasn't like the same people. So they didn't have. That makes sense. Yeah. It wasn't as clever. Yeah. It really went downhill because like, it was weird. Like, and I, I really didn't like what they did with like Mohinder and then they made Siler like pretty much totally like, you know, he like couldn't be harmed. And I thought that that was very boring and I didn't think, I don't know. It, it was. No, I always wanted um, the cheerleader so and Milo Ventimiglia to like hook up. Like, <laughs> they did in real life. I know, but I don't care about their real life hookups. I wanted their characters to hook up because I thought even it was though, a cute story. Even though they were uncle and niece. They were? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No way. Yeah. His brother was her dad, her biological father. Oh, I really don't remember. Okay. <laughs> I don't remember that because I remember, okay, I wanted them to hook up probably until I learned that they were related. I'm not into that. So I could have, I couldn't have <laughs> wanted that once I learned. No, I, that makes sense. I think they had a lot of chemistry and you I don't learn that right away though. Do you? No, you don't. Okay, you don't good. Because I remember like, like, I remember when the show first started, like thinking like, Hey, well, there's some chemistry between these two. And there I was totally was. No, they're definitely, they're, de you're not imagining things. There okay. definitely was. And then like, then they get to know each other. And then she finds out that Nathan, his brother, um, oh, okay. yeah, is her, he was like the politician, like the Senator, yeah. he was her father and she got put up for adoption. Oh, okay. Yeah. Jeez. That show really was so that convoluted. Show. I've seen it. Yeah. I've seen the first season many, many times. So. Oh, really? Yeah, many, 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 many times. I was really into it. I, like, used to write it. Like, I was super into it. I mean... Oh, like obsessed. fan fictions. Yeah, I used to write it online, like, kind of, yeah, kind of like fan fiction, more or less, pretty much. Yeah. Man, anyway. Heroes... I remember Heroes came out when I was in college, so that's been a while now. Yeah, it's been a hot minute. I think Time. it's been early 2000s or something. Yeah. It's mm -hmm. so unfortunate. I think it had such promise, but they started bringing in all these characters that like, like Maya and Alejandro, I think was his name. And like, they, they were just pointless. There's no reason for them to be there. You know? Yeah. They were like stacking the deck with too many superpowers. Yeah. Know? And then they made like Mohinder be like all weird. And suddenly he wasn't like this interesting, like professor who just wanted to explore like what was happening with these people he was like he was like power hungry and it felt oh. completely out of character for him yeah it's, it, there's just a lot and then he like he like became like a cockroach or something like a human cockroach it was so oh, like bizarre like a homage to kafka or something yeah or like yeah like metamorphosis or or like i don't know the fly maybe like it was just so <laughs> weird and he got like he went from this like sweet and sensitive character to this like super aggressive character and it, it was so bizarre and it, it didn't make sense to like it didn't make sense to his character arc i felt like and who he like who they like had to meet like uh like written him as in the beginning you know like you can't establish a character as like a kind and like empathetic person and then all of a sudden have them be this like massive aggressive fucking like asshole like it was just it was so weird i so yeah yeah anyway i have a lot yeah. of feelings about heroes and how that went down <laughs> it really it really fell off the cliff i agree it did like season one it really did was fun and then 
I think I stopped wa- watching like in the middle of season two. I didn't even let it finish. I, you know, I watched the entire thing. So then like the fourth season had this like carnival with all these different people that had these abilities. And it was, it was led by Robert Nepper, who I, I like him as an actor, um, but he, but it was just terrible. It was just really dumb. And it was like, it, it, they're bringing in all these extra characters to try to make everything interesting. And it, it got so bad. And then like the whole like thing with him was that he grew more powerful when he was closer to people who had superpowers and he could like move the earth or something like that. And then they like, I think it was either like he, when he was around people or something like that, but then they took him away and they took him to a place where like he was like, I mean, prison, I would assume (laughs) like, and it was, but it was something where, It didn't make sense where they took him because he would still be fucking powerful. And if he can move the earth, well, then he can get out of prison. You know? Yeah, that's an oversight. And it was just, it was just like, it was a massive plot hole that I was like, wait a second. I'm sorry, what? You're taking him to a place where he's still going to be just as powerful as he, just like kill him then or something. Like if he's that bad of a guy, like, and he's like threatening all your lives, like, and kill him i don't know what to tell you like he's this this isn't gonna change so it got it got real bad yeah it sounds like it got really bad it was terrible (laughs) have you ever seen the movie tombstone i have not oh mike and i watched that the other day and it's really fun like i generally don't what who's it with um uh kurt kurt russell val kilmer Bill Paxton and Sam, who's that tall guy that always plays cowboys? Sam, Steve Mustache? Yes. Sam, Sam <laughs> Elliott. Yeah, yeah, Sam that's Elliott. exactly what I was thinking of, but I couldn't think of the name. It was yeah. like, I was like, it's Sam Elliott. In my mind, and- I was picturing him. I'm like, gray hair, big old bushy mustache. Yep, yep. <laughs> Um, and it's really fun. It's based on a true story about like Wyatt Earp and Doc Holliday. And I generally like, I'm iffy about Westerns and Mike really liked the movie. He likes the movie a lot. So he said we should watch it and he thought I would like it. He was interested to hear my opinion and it's so much fun. It's, it's not like a typical Western. It's pretty fast paced for compared to other Westerns. And it's more like in my head, it's more like an action movie that happens to be set in the old West, you know. But it is kind yeah. of a western still. But it was fun. I I enjoyed it. Val Kilmer's character was top notch. Like he steals the show. <laughs> it's amazing. I like Val Kilmer. What is it on Netflix or who? Um, I, I think it's on Amazon. Amazon. We had to watch it with a commercial. It's on Amazon Prime. Like you can watch it for free, but we had to watch it with commercials, and so. It was kind of like fun and old school. Like I felt like I felt like I was a kid and and it was like ABC movie of the week, you know? And you're like, right. oh, good, I got to go to the bathroom. <laughs> I don't know. It was fun. Isn't that funny like how things have changed? You're like you're like, "Oh, the commercial, I got to rush to the bathroom. Oh, did I get back in time before it started?" Yeah. And yeah. And now it's just like I have to go to the bathroom. Let me just pause this for however long I feel like pausing it. And I'll just do like a million other things as well. Speaking of which, I watched the show This Is Us with my mom. 
Mm -hmm. and we watch it together it's on tuesday nights so i was with her last night and this is us was just starting it's like the new season and i was it's really over dramatic but i (laughs) it's kind of fun you know and i was kind of excited to like be entertained because it was a two-hour premiere and oh. they advertised it as two hours with limited commercial interruption. And so, and it, and I was like, oh, wow, this will be fun. But then very first thing, like right out the gate, they had written the coronavirus into the new season. Oh, and no. I was so upset because I was like, oh, great. So you thought you could just check out and be entertained, but no, you have to watch this thing. We're all like wearing face masks and they're all like worried about the virus and they can't hug each other because of the virus. And it's oh, no. <laughs> so frustrating. Like I'm, I know we talked about this last week, so I'm not going to get into it, but I can't describe the frustration I felt. And I think like the more I think about, I thought about it a lot today because I was like, why did they have to do that? Why couldn't they just live in a world where the virus doesn't exist because we all like I just wanted to be in I just wanted to escape yeah I wanted yep. to see some melodrama I wanted to escape but they also did like the Black Lives Matter protests mm-hmm. and I can see why they did that because like the story like part of the story is about a black man who was adopted by a white family so they deal with like racial issues sometimes Right. And so I think it was very important for them to do that. And I I feel like they might have felt like they couldn't do one without the other. Like they couldn't make it like, here's one current event, but the other current event doesn't exist, you know? Right. But But it doesn't mean I'm happy about it. I'm not happy about it. I don't want to see, I don't want, I don't want the virus to take any more of my life than it already has. No, I totally agree. And you know what? The thing is that I, I don't, I, I, I don't think that they should have done the coronavirus too, because the Black Lives Matter thing is not new. It has been around true too. for a long time. Yeah, that's and true too. And you know too. what? Like, like people have been dealing with racial inequality for fucking decades, for centuries. This is nothing new. To like you know what think- they could have done? They could have done like a Law and Order thing. Where they just made up some like racial injustice to write into the story, you know? Yeah. So they could have the same idea, but it didn't have to be like perfectly mirroring current events. I, I totally agree with you. I mean, we've we've both talked about the whole like coronavirus thing and how we're both like, ugh, like the all these like stupid shows that are like like love in the time of corona. I'm like, you know what? I just this just makes me want to cut off my own head. Honestly, like get out the guillotine, I'm done. <laughs> Yeah, I was I was very upset. Well, you know, like as upset as you can be about a TV show that is whatever. But there's some really like there's some really sweet moments on that show. Like you have to dig a little because there's a lot of soliloquy and there's a lot of melodrama. But um, it's a really it has like interesting concepts about like the passage of time, which I'm really interested in. And also, like, how lives interweave and connect and how, like, what I do today could affect somebody two years from now or what somebody did two decades ago affects your life now. And I really like that concept. That's why I keep, because I think this is, like, season three, and I've been watching it the whole time. And so the reason I keep watching it is because I think it has this interesting time element that I haven't seen very much in a show, and it's something I really like. But the movie itself or the show itself is like you know like i said you have to dig you have to dig through like 
right the 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 drama and it's not always the best and the characters can be kind of whiny but um there's enough to i mean and i'm with my mom so it's fun to watch it with her like we watch it together you know yeah um so that kind of reminds me of brooklyn 99 because they they talk about a lot of like issues that are really relevant to like what's going on today um and one of the, and I know you're not that far, and this isn't really like a spoiler, but like in one episode, Terry Crews' character, whose name is Terry, uh, gets, he's like looking for his daughter's little um, bunny or something, like a little toy. And he's looking for it on the street because it fell out of like the car. I don't know what, she lost it. She's a kid, you know. And she, he stopped by a white cop. And the white cop immediately like profiles him and he's like, dude, I'm just looking for my kid's toy. And he went, you know, to work the next day and he's talking about it and how upset it made him. And it's like, that is a really good way to include something that's very relevant to what's going on in the world. And it's important to include that as well, because you shouldn't ignore these important issues, you know? Um, but yeah, I, I really like, I really hate the whole coronavirus thing being in my movies and TV. I don't want that to be part of something that I watch because I watch TV to take away from the shit reality that we're currently living in, yeah. you know? And it's like, uh, just, it's, it was upsetting. In my, in my head, it's like a little bit, like, it's not creative in my mind. It's, no, I don't think so either. It's just capitalizing on like the easiest it's capitalizing on. on tragedy is what it is well that's, that's true too gross yeah that's pretty gross like it's it's not it's like it's a pandemic everyone's living it and it, it, it's it's just not to me it's not like it's not something that we can help unlike racism which we can help we can stop racism we can stop injustices this is a pandemic that we cannot help or currently prevent right now. You know, I mean, we can prevent it using safety measures like social distancing, whatever. But like, I don't know. It, I'm getting all worked up because I'm getting annoyed that they did that. And I don't even watch the show. So that's how I feel. Yeah. Yeah, it was disappointing. But anyway... Vampires don't get the coronavirus. No, they don't. Not as far as we know. <laughs> so, do you want to start talking about the movie? Yes. Let's talk okay. about this movie. So, I have to start out by saying this. Um, I had always kind of had like, like I've, I've always liked the movie, but there was also part of me that did not like the movie. And I couldn't really ever figure out why <laughs> because I've seen it. I've seen it a bunch of times. Um, but I figured out last night that the reason I, I, the reason I do like the movie is because I love Lestat. He's psychotic. He's perfect. He's crazy. I love him. And I fucking hate Louie. <laughs> I think Louie is an emo little vampire annoying. <laughs> like He's so annoying and whiny and I can't stand him. And I started to realize as I was watching it, I was like, oh, that's why I don't like the movie. Like, I do like it. But not this part. Like when he's alone, I'm like, or when he's just with Claudia, I'm like, oh my God, go back to Lestat. I don't care what's happening to Louie right now. Because <laughs> all he does is go, oh, I just, I, I'm, I, I feel like I should 
save the humans. And I'm like, why? You're a predator. I, you know what? I know humans. We're not great. We kind of suck as like a species. I'm just saying we hate each other. We kill each other for stupid reasons. If you're a vampire, you're a predator. Why do you care so much about saving humans? Like that is your food. Like go out and like, it's... (sighs) I really don't like Louie. <laughs> you sent me you sent me an article that you said I should read before the before we talk about it and I told you before we started recording that I stopped reading it because it was yeah. too like it mirrored some things that I thought. But before I stopped reading, I came across a line that I think perfectly <laughs> sums up the movie and it's something that I was thinking of last night when I was watching it and I can't take credit for this line. It's from from the spool.net by Gina Radcliffe. So I want to give her I want to give her credit. You sent it to me. Yep. And I think if anyone asks me what the movie was about, she has a line in here that perfectly sums up the movie. Louie, to put it mildly, is a real pill who willingly chooses to become a vampire and then spends the whole time bitching and moping about it. <laughs> And Louis is played by Brad Pitt. And I remember when I was watching the movie, I thought, why does he, he chose, like, Lestat said to him, I'm going to give you the choice that I never got. Do you, basically, right. do you want to become a vampire? And Louis's like, yep, I do. And then as soon as he becomes a vampire, he, like, immediately is like, oh, I hate this. Well, like, I don't get it because the, the entire, like, leading up to that scene, which isn't a very long, like, thing, like leading up to that scene, he's like, I'm so depressed. I hate everything. Everything's the worst. My, my, my kid and my wife are dead. You know, he like almost commits suicide by someone else killing him. Like he's like, you know, like wants this guy to like shoot him, which I consider kind of committing suicide because he's like, do it, kill me, kill me. You know, Um, he like, you know, it's kind of like, consistently putting himself in these like almost dangerous situations because he's like well if I die then I die but then he gets a chance to actually die and instead of dying he's like no you're right I actually do want to live forever and it's like what you just said that you wanted to die like it's uh yeah so how did you feel about the movie um I feel kind of similar to what you said like Overall, I I didn't really like it, um, but I did like it at the same time, and I did really, really surprisingly like Tom Cruise's performance. Like, yeah, he was pretty much the best part of the movie, and I really, really like up until they get Claudia. I was like, I don't think I'm going to like this movie as much. I think Tom Cruise is doing a really good job, but I don't think I like this movie. And then when they got Claudia, it got like weirdly comical like she kills she kills somebody in their house and he like slaps her little hand and he's like never in our house and you know you know now who is going to finish your dress yeah and it's just like it's kind of fun like the whole montage of the three of them I like yeah and then I was interested in in her like killing him I'm gonna we we're obviously gonna talk about all this and then I lost interest again when when it was Brad Pitt and yeah. it was Claudia yeah. and Louis. I lost interest again and pretty much through the rest of the movie. So I think there are things that I like about it, but I would never necessarily watch it again. Like I, there was a lot that confused me that I had questions on because I felt like yeah. the movie didn't 
really explain what was happening or why it was happening. And then there was a lot that I just thought, like, I honestly, I've learned through this movie that I really don't care about vampires. Um, I don't get easily grossed out. To, I don't I get grossed out, but not in the way like the drinking of blood in this movie really grossed me out in a way that surprised me. And yeah. I find vampires to just be like whiny dandies and I don't like them. <laughs> I realize I, love- I don't I don't care for vampires at all. So um something something kind of relevant to that. I was thinking about um I was like, I love a good vampire romance, but then I was like thinking about it and I'm like, well. I do, but not in a modern sense. And I couldn't figure out why I I say that I love a vampire romance if I don't love it in a modern sense. And I realized that I love like a Victorian vampire romance, (laughs) you know, like the kind where like, it's, you know, it's like the mid, like early 1900s, late 1800s and everything's like still kind of like, um, people are like uptight about shit, but you're like, it's like this like kind of like sexy time because it's all this gorgeous um you know these gorgeous like attire and everything but also then I was thinking about Dracula because Dracula takes place during like Victorian it's like Victorian England you know and um and (laughs) it just I don't know it's I kind of agree with you in a certain aspect but there are other parts of it where I love like the Okay, I have to tell you, and I feel like you're going to laugh at me when I tell you this, <laughs> but I, I fucking love, I love so much, like, the stupid, like, um, like, uh, I had a love that looked exactly like you, and you're, like, her reincarnation, <laughs> like, centuries later. <laughs> I love... I love that kind of bullshit story. Like, <laughs> I wish there was more of them because it doesn't have to be vampires. It can be anything. <laughs> I knew you were going to laugh at that. No, I just, like, I love it when you laugh talk. It's one of my favorite things because it doesn't, you could be talking about something horrific, but if you're laugh talking, it always makes me laugh. I'm not even laughing at you. I'm laughing at your reaction to what you're saying because it's just so joyful. (laughs) My face is so hot right now. (laughs) So you're talking about like, like a man is like all forlorn and he's he's been alive for like 300 years and is he he lost his love 300 years ago and then he sees someone who looks just like her yeah he's like he's like oh my goodness you are my reincarnated love and she's like i don't even know who you are and he's like no but like you're the one and she's like "Mm, don't think so we just met he's like no seriously like i'm in love with you because you're my past love and then she falls in love with him and it's like but not like (laughs) <laughs> I just I, I love it. I love it so much. Like I it's it was in um it was actually um in the did you ever see the original Fright Night? Not the original one, no. You've seen the new one? Yeah, with um uh Colin Farrell. Yeah, what's his name? Yelchin and Anton Yelchin. Anton Yelchin. Yeah, that's a really good I like that movie. It's pretty fun. So it's not, it's, it is, um, it's not so much a remake as it is like a, kind of like a retelling, I guess. Okay. Because the original's not, it's not the same story. Oh, okay. Um, 
in the original it is like like it is more like dracula where it's like you're my lost love and like you know because in dracula he thinks that um that mina is like the reincarnation of his lost love so but i just i love it i love those story i know they're so cheesy and they're so dumb and i could just like i could just read them all day watch them all day you make me so happy oh i never knew this about you i i know not something I tell a lot of people because I'm like a little embarrassed about it because it's just like because I trash like rom-coms so much because a lot of them are so bad but I like I love I gotta say I love a stupid romance like (laughs) sure who doesn't right who doesn't right (laughs) so um I don't really know where I was going with this and how that pertains to Interview with a Vampire, but we can start talking about Interview with a Vampire if you're ready. No, it's just something you had to get off your chest. I did, apparently. Now everyone knows. So now I don't don't have to tell anyone. I can just be like, you know what? You want to know something intimate detail about me? Just just listen to our Interview with a Vampire episode. That's (laughs) it. Now you know. It's Lauren Ron on Cut. <laughs> yeah, I thought that Brad Pitt's manner of speaking was kind of like grating after a while because he's like, I was just a vampire. Yeah. And I lived in 1793 and I was 24 years old. Like he just, he had a very particular way of speaking that I didn't Younger enjoy after a while. Now. Yeah. Well, it, it, so something in that article pointed out that, um, Brad Pitt's performance in Interview with a Vampire was very stiff and awkward versus like how he is in like Once Upon a Time in Hollywood where he's, you know, I mean, I loved him in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. I loved him so much that my cat's middle name is is named after his character from Once Upon a Time in Hollywood Um, because my cat has three names. It's fine. (laughs) Anyway, um, and it's, he, he's very... He's very like stiff and stuff like that. And it's, I, I, I had a hard, oh, what? Go ahead. can you hear him purring? I had a hard time um, really caring about Louis in general because he's just so emo. It's like the entire <laughs> movie. He's just like, everything is the worst. I don't want to kill people because of this humanity that I have left in him. Whereas like, like, um, Lestat who's played by Tom Cruise is like, let's just kill everyone. Let's just have a great, like a feast. And I'm like, yes, let's do it. (laughs) You know, it's like, yeah, I didn't dislike Brad Pitt's performance. Like I thought there was a place for him being sort of stoic and like, having trepidation because he was a new vampire but i feel like they took it maybe too far yeah like him and lestat argued a little bit too much and that bothered me because i was like just have fun you know yeah well i don't i guess in my mind like in my mind you went from being a weak little human to now being a pretty um what's that word um powerful yeah powerful but like i was trying to think of like not hurt not hurtable i don't i can't remember oh invincible oh indestructible his word like fairly indestructible being and your main source of food is humans and now you're a predator so why are you so concerned that you're like hurting these people when it's like 
literally your food you know it's your nature yeah. yeah it's your nature it's your nature to want to kill and hunt and feed off these humans he's like the twilight vampires before twilight was a thing basically yeah yeah and i mean i you know, as many times as i've seen this movie and i was kind of hoping that my feelings would change as i've grown older that i would maybe like um kind of identify more with louie but i don't at all in fact i think i dislike him more now that i'm older i i I love Lestat. I love a psychotic character. What can I say? I I love them. And he's so great in this role. He's so crazy and he's like and aggressive and passionate and like uh, just, you know, there's something like that the the woman said in the article that was something like I wish I could remember what it was. It was something like dripping with sexiness or something like that. It was like, I was like, okay, (laughs) I get what you mean. Um, So I don't know. And, you know, it's funny because Anne Rice, who wrote the novel, she did not want Tom Cruise to play Lestat. Like she was very much against him. She wanted Rutger Hauer, who I think would actually... Yeah, I think Rucker Howard would have done a pretty good job because he's played a lot of like uh, violent and aggressive characters before, um, and some other people who I didn't I didn't recognize, <clears throat> but she was like vehemently against Tom Cruise as Lestat, and he ended up doing a phenomenal job, and he ended up actually like kind of making the movie. I think there's something about Tom Cruise that people don't expect. And he always plays like a sort of a a straight-laced character. In most of his movies, he plays a straight-laced character who is on top of things, who knows what he's doing and is like, has like military precision with things. But when he lets go, he actually does such a good job. Like in the movie Night and Day and in this movie where he's just, he just sort of has like free range to be wacky. I think he does a really good job. And I think part of the reason is he just does a good job but the other part of the reason is people you, like you don't expect that sort of performance from him because you don't see it very often right and i think that's why he was so captivating in this movie for me because he definitely well kirsten dunst also did a phenomenal job like oh yeah she was i, awesome. I thought she was probably the <clears throat> i mean i like kirsten dunst but this i think is probably the best performance i've ever seen from her and i can't believe it took me this long to see it because I thought she was outstanding and and I've seen probably most of her movies, I would think. Um, but she was just she was so good and he was so good and the two of them together really stole the show. And yeah, I think his performance was surprising because if somebody, especially in the nineties, if somebody had said like Tom Cruise is gonna play this like wacky vampire who's like you know very proper but not proper and like very sexy and crazy but yeah. like a dandy like homoerotic dandy you know yeah, i think they yeah. homoerotic in the article and i think people will be like what no but he pulls it off he does he's he's the reason that I, well i kept watching because of the podcast but if i had been <laughs> watching on my own i would have kept watching because of him almost right know? yeah um 
he well and i think that's a lot of the reason why people like people couldn't see him in that role and they wanted to tag a big name person onto that character so you know funnily enough like i mentioned this i think last episode where i was talking about how um famous people are playing these like you know pretty iconic roles um he was he had always played the good guy and so this is his first time really playing a villain and I think that people thought that he was not capable of playing a villain. And now we can see, obviously, that he is very capable of playing one. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, he was absolutely captivating. I mean, he was, I think, as you said, Claudia, too. Him and Claudia were the best parts about this movie. For sure. Big time. <laughs> <laughs> She's putting up her hair right now. <laughs> You just like I thought you were gonna keep talking and then you stopped and you stared. <laughs> Sorry. Okay. Sorry. No, it's okay. I agree. They were they were so good. They were so good. Yeah. So yeah. we can start talking from the beginning. Well, yeah, we let's do it. Oh, okay. So um we talked about Louis. Oh, I have oh. something to say. This pertains yes. to the beginning, but I didn't know that this movie was actually an interview with a vampire. I thought it was like a clever title to be like, here's a vampire's life story. So it was actually an interview. So yeah, it was. <laughs> that was interesting. So I, this is, this movie, watching this movie is further solidified that I don't really like narration in films. Um, I, which this wasn't that bad as far like and it wasn't really super like noticeable either and i know that's like an interview so you're supposed to like be hearing this guy talking about his life he okay so we open up with louie being a whiny little bitch about how he wants to die and everything's the worst and he's being interviewed by christian slater um and every time i see christian slater and everything i always think of clueless where they're like let's bunk off last period and go see the new christian slater <laughs> i think christian slater was probably my one of my first Hollywood crushes, like when I was like, like from like, I don't know, eight to 10 years old. I think I, I know I thought he was super cute, but I grew out of him quickly. I mean, I you? still think he's, he's fine. He's definitely not ugly, but he's not, I, I remember clearly uh, there was a movie called cuffs. I think that my brother Justin and I would watch and he was in it. And I remember thinking that he was so cute in that movie. I, yeah he's i have thought that christian slater was very good i i still think he's good looking um he's yeah he is he's attractive still i just don't i don't feel the way i did when i was younger when i was living in the 90s <laughs> did you ever see the heathers or heathers yes mm -hmm. did you like that one uh not particularly i I watched it when I was in high school and I didn't care for it. And then I watched it again within the last year or two. And I still, I don't know, it's a little bit too out there for me. I think there's something, there's something about it that I just, I don't particularly enjoy. Okay. I love it. I think it's funny. I, yeah. Um, it is kind of my sense of humor. I do like the, I do like really dark humor. Um, but I was just curious because he's in that and he's, he's yeah. pretty cute in that, but he's also like totally crazy Cre in that. Yeah, he's a psychopath. Yeah. He is. He is the nutcase. Um, 
So anyway, so Christian Slater is interviewing Brad Pitt. And I don't know if you saw my Instagram post, but I was like, if you're interviewing your vampire, it's maybe wise to wear a turtleneck. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, I to go back to your point initially, yeah. I don't always like narration, but <laughs> the funny thing is, since this movie made it a van- an, an interview... I didn't mind the narration because it was an interview because it's a good yeah. way to get a lot of information across without having like lots and lots of like dialogue. Yeah. So I didn't mind it because it was an interview, but I I agree with you about narration that's just like and now we're going to have a narrator cuz we're too lazy. I mean, I guess yeah. it's lazy to make it an interview, but at least they did it creatively that it it's an interview, you know. Right. Right. And I agree with you. I think that in this case it works because it is an interview and so you're trying yeah. to get off like a lot of, you know, I mean, you're trying to basically he's telling 200 years worth of information. Yep. In like 2 hours. So you need to have the narration, I think, to make it, um, you know. And I, I mean, also think it's it's more literary. It It's sort of like an ode to the fact that the source material is a book. Yeah. I yeah. think that's kind of a creative way to, like, bridge the gap between literature and movie, maybe. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I've never read the book, um, but I, I don't think I would. <laughs> Honestly, if I – and – Louis could be far different in the book than he is in the movie. I mean, that's certainly, I've seen that before, like in, um, this is kind of going off, like, <laughs> like off kilter here, but like in Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy, you've seen that one, right? Yeah. Yeah. Zephod Beeblebrox's character in the books, I, I did not like, but I loved him in the movie. So yeah, you should see the BBC version of hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy it's outstanding is it yeah it was made in like version it was made in like maybe the 80s oh really yeah mike showed it to me like a year or two ago it's awesome it's It's better than the other one oh you're talking about like the the sam rockwell Rockwell? yeah yeah like i mean i love sam rockwell and i like martin freeman but they did not do justice to the hitchhiker's guide to the galaxy like the BBC version did. I should clarify, I've never read the book. So okay. doing justice to it is all relative because like, I don't know, but from seeing the BBC version and from talking to Mike, it's, it's amazing. It's, it's so good. It's so funny. It's so clever. And it's just, it's, it's typical like British special effects, <laughs> but don't let that turn you away because it's so good. Okay. Yeah, um, I recommend it. I don't know how you can find it. He has it on DVD, so I don't know if it's... It might be on Amazon Prime. He has so much obscure stuff. I love it. Um, I have... Um, I read, I think, the first two books. There's, like, four... No. I want to say there's, like, five of them of just this story. So what happened in the movie was, like, a bunch of, like a bunch of books crammed into one movie so it no it didn't do it justice right based on what i read um i didn't particularly like the books it kind of just wasn't my it wasn't really my thing i didn't dislike them but i would never read them again you know right and love them enough so anyway yeah. but we're going off way off topic here so we're <laughs> still like really in the beginning of this movie <laughs> yeah yeah 
Okay. So, <clears throat> so he explains that he was alive in like 1740 or 1750 or something. Yeah. And he was 24 and he ran a plantation in Louisiana. Yeah. By the way, he says later in the film that he's Creole and I don't think that's right. And I can tell you why. Actually, I can tell, I can have Google tell you. So hold on. I'm going to tell you because I'm going to ask Google real quick. Hey, Google, what is Creole? Here's a summary from Wikipedia. Creole people are ethnic groups which originated during the colonial era from racial mixing mainly between West Africans as well as some other people born in the colonies, such as Europeans and sometimes South Asian and Native American peoples. This process is known as Creolization. I don't think he's Creole. He does not look Creole to me. Yeah, that's a weak thread. Also, you didn't tell me that we were going to have another host. So. <laughs> Sorry. That guy's so well-spoken. I know. <laughs> he almost sounds like a robot. He seems like a know-it-all, though. I don't he, know if I care for him. He, he's a little, he is a little bit of one. Would I want to get stuck with him at a party? Probably not. Probably, no. He's like, you're like, ugh. It's like, he's one of those guys that's like, well, actually, and you're like, I'm just going to stop okay. you right there. Thanks, Donnie. I don't care about Creoles this much. Uh, <laughs> In this story, his name's Donnie. <laughs> okay. okay. I um, like it. Uh, no, yeah, I thought the same thing because I thought that the the Creole people were definitely mixed race of yeah. some kind. And he just looked like a white guy. He looked like a blonde-haired white guy. He didn't act Creole either. Like Creole also, the, the Creole people have like a very distinct accent. Or wait, yeah. am I thinking of Cajun or is that the same thing? Is Cajun the accent? That's Cajun. People? And you're thinking of Cajun. Yeah. Well, yeah. So, but anyway, he just seemed like a white guy. He didn't. Yeah. Like now, anything, like Tandy like, Newton, who was in it for a very short period, yeah. looks like she could be Creole. Right. But not so Brad why Pitt. Would, why? <laughs> so he's a Creole, allegedly, but he also has like Creole slaves, which makes no sense. No, it doesn't. So, because he mentions it very, like, very quickly. Like, he's like, oh, we returned to New Orleans, and this is way later in the film. And he's like, I was Creole after all. And I was like, bitch, no, you aren't. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. And then, well, it's funny because I was watching it and I paused it so I could be like, you know, and I asked my little Google Home thing, what's going on? And that's what the answer I got. And I was just like, okay, so... They could have cast someone that was actually, like, mixed race, but they didn't. They just went with the whitest guy ever. (laughs) Yeah, or if they're going to go with Brad Pitt for whatever reason, they could just not have him say that. They literally could could not even mention that one sentence. After all, I'm from Louisiana. Yeah, like, like I'm I'm a New Orleans native or something. Like, yeah, I don't, so, (laughs) it was very... Because, and even, like, Tom Cruise or Lestat mentions that he loves drinking Creole blood, too. So, yeah, I, it's, yeah. it was very, I thought that was very weird. I I wasn't comfortable with that. I was like, oh, that's, that's, you know, that's not, like, that's not right. So, we should keep talking because we are going off a lot on this. Yeah. So, <laughs> All right. So. His wife died in. What? Oh, yeah. Wife died in labor, and so he lost his kid and his wife. 
right? Oh, did you? Yeah. Want me to oh, yeah. Going? I thought you were gonna keep going. <laughs> I was waiting for you. What is wrong with us? Okay, so, we're like unhinged this yeah. episode. This episode's gonna be like three hours it's long. Gonna be, it's gonna be like Lord of the Rings length. So yes. So he tells Christian Slater that his wife and child died in childbirth. And he's just, like, suicidal and depressed, just, like, looking for any way out. And he, like you said earlier, he tried to get somebody in a a bar to shoot him over, like, a card game, but the person wouldn't do it. And they show Lestat watching him, like, from the shadows. So Lestat, like, has his eye on him. Like, here's a good candidate to make a vampire, I guess. And and Lestat visits him. So he, so Louis leaves with a prostitute, and Lestat, like kills the prostitute and then like like he maims louis yeah he like attacks louis and then he like drops him in the water like so so louis is like could louis have recovered from that or like did did he do something weird i think he i think he must have only drank a little bit of his blood just to like maybe get like a taste of him or something right um because it sounds like it seems like he kind of then then lestat kind of stalked Louis, um because then when it's like a, a night later or something it's like the next night or a couple nights later and he like and and Louis like dying like he's like so sick even though it seems like if he was that sick when he's like lying in bed that maybe he should have died in the water because it was like like it seemed like almost like he was in the water for like hours and hours and then he yeah because it was like morning you see him like walking on the beach yeah, like it's morning and he's like walking on the beach and he's definitely soaking wet. So it's like if he if he just had a significant blood loss and he's maybe still bleeding from this wound, like why would he have survived that? So anyway, that's just whatever, our own thing. And um, Lestat comes into his house and he takes out, like he takes Louis out to like see the sunrise, like his last sunrise or whatever. And then, I don't know, disappears for like a hot minute and then comes back and is like. That scene, that scene made me laugh because Louis is like, the voiceover is like, and I went out and I saw my very last sunrise and I enjoyed every moment of it. But then it shows it and it's like behind the trees and i thought well surely you couldn't go find like a field to stand in because it was like right like it was like you the weakest sun rise ever like it wasn't even that beautiful it was kind of like slightly foggy and maybe a little cloudy and it was like oh so most of this is obscured by the clouds but it was beautiful yeah <laughs> and then they have this like um, yeah dramatic dramatic scene in the graveyard where Lestat like drinks almost all of his blood but here's something that I wondered yeah so Lestat was like I'm gonna give you the choice I never had yeah he he asked him if he wants to become a vampire and Louis says yes and then Lestat makes Louis drink Lestat's blood where does the blood come from um I don't know (laughs) i mean i know vampire lore is open to interpretation to everybody who writes a vampire so right i'm not dogging it totally because yeah i mean the movie's about vampires so where do you want to draw the line at believability but i was just wondering like they have blood like they bleed well i mean i guess (laughs) i think maybe like maybe i've i've heard in certain vampire lore that like the blood of their victim is basic victims is basically like 
what goes into their system and makes everything work. So, like, they would have, like, the blood that they're bleeding is, like, the blood of their victims. Oh. Yeah. So. I see. Um, so, in, like, now, this is a little, this is way different because the way that it's done in the strain is more like zombies, but they're disgusting. Um, <laughs> they're so gross. But they have, what happens with them, and they kind of, like, say, it's actually very interesting, and I would totally recommend that show to anyone but they actually like explain like scientifically what happens to people's bodies when they become a vampire or strigoi is what they're called but they're essentially the same thing um and that their bodies like um instead of having like these it's hard it's hard to like explain because i don't really totally understand it myself but it's basically like their organs like shift and change and like and and like melt into like these different organs that are are supposed to um, be able to consume blood and to be able to um, like use it throughout the rest of their body. So that's what I think maybe if you're turning into a vampire, maybe that's like what happens because obviously something occurs that makes you a lot more indestructible than you used to be, you know, because humans are pretty destructible. Like we can die from being you know, hit too hard in the head by like a shoe. So, you know, it's, it's, um, it's, I don't know, I guess from you're, I think you're asking from a scientific perspective and you, you like, it's maybe like something that needs to just be like accepted rather than like explored, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So there's this scene in the graveyard after, after Louis becomes a vampire and Lestat says, look, look with your new vampire eyes and so louis looks at a statue and the statue's eyes open and then close and i thought <laughs> that's it that's what his vampire eyes can see it's a statue the statue didn't even do anything it just looked at him and then closed their eyes closed his eyes yeah i don't understand i never really understood that part like i think that would have been what would have been more interesting is if it was like well, first of all, I never liked the idea that a vampire can only come out during the night. In Dracula, he can walk out during the day. So I don't know where Anne Rice's, you know, inspiration came from. Obviously, it came from somewhere because vampires have been around for a long time and the vampire lore has been around for a long time and it's, you know, been altered and changed and whatever. Um, I think it's a <laughs> biblical thing because, like, like, in the Bible, there's, like, metaphors about like evil being in the dark and like righteousness being in the light you know oh maybe so i think it's like yeah. vampires are evil so they can only they can't they can't live in the light sort of thing everything's scarier at night too you know on your door yeah. not as scary at night a little terrifying because <laughs> you don't know who this person is you know I something that i wondered about and i think it's just because it keeps the light out but why they definitely had to sleep in coffins because i thought initially louis was like yeah coffins are a necessity and so it showed him like going to bed in a coffin and i thought okay well that's just like to keep it light tight but then when claudia was there she gets out of her coffin and just sort of skirts around the sunlight patch and gets in his coffin so they can still go out they just can't be in sunlight so i thought why why don't they sleep in a regular bed that's what I, I was actually thinking that too. And that's always bothered me. And like, um, so I'm going to go back to Dracula. I keep mentioning it. Um, in that case, he had to sleep in like the soil from his homeland. 
So, but that's not, that doesn't seem like the case in this. It just seems like a coffin. And I agree with you. Like out of all the things, <laughs> all the things to sleep in, I feel like I, like a coffin would feel very restricting and like you wouldn't be able to move around or roll around unless it's the type of thing where if you are a vampire, maybe you kind of go into like almost like a, like a deathless sleep or something like that. You know, if that makes sense, like, um, <clears throat> like you're, like you're so asleep that you don't move around or you don't dream or you don't jerk around or whatever, because you're like, it, that's just like what vampires do. And, but it, <laughs> it still doesn't make sense. I think it's just more like a it's just more like part of the lore that's like just been part of it for so long mm -hmm. that maybe Anne Rice decided to include that. But I always hated that too. I was like, but that's stupid. Like I would, you know what I would sleep in? I'd sleep in a super elegant, like four poster bed. I would like, it would be like, it would be like, <laughs> like these gorgeous, like wooden carved, like columns, you know, <laughs> like something super yeah. fancy with heavy, heavy light blocking curtains. Right. Yeah. yeah. So, so I thought I, that was kind of a a weird detail because they showed them out in the daylight. They just couldn't be in sunlight, basically. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So so then him and Lestat weird. him and Lestat sort of like Lestat tries to show him the ropes and they have this woman. They're they're at like a bar and they have this woman and Louis starts drinking her blood, but then Louis's like, I would not end her life. But as he says that, Lestat is killing her because he's drinking blood from her wrist. I know. He's like, oh, well, it's a good thing that you don't want to because I just did. Yeah. <laughs> like and then and then what follows is like gross scenes of like Louis eating rat, like drinking rat's blood and like Lestat putting rat's blood in a goblet for him. And I know. Like, I and they, and they live in this gorgeous like plantation mansion. Um, and all of these slaves outside are like flipping out and losing their minds because they know that something is wrong. They're like, they're, they're, what are they saying? Their master is the devil or something like that. Yeah. Um, cause they dine on empty plates and dine on empty glasses. And I just, you know, Louis, like the whole time is just so, it's just so like, Ugh, I don't know, you know, I'm just like so whiny. It's just a little whiny vampire bitch, and I just can't stand him. I don't like Louis. But then they go to this like they go to this party. Like Lestat and Louis go to a party, and there's a woman there who's elderly. Yeah, and, the widow like, Saint Clair. Yeah, and they get they go off with her, and she has this like what do you her call this, like super makeup to like youth, like boy youth. He like yeah. had all this makeup on. <laughs> Who Lestat said she had that young boy kill her husband. And so then they leave, like Louis and the woman leave and go out to like a secluded spot. And then Lestat and the boy go to a secluded spot. And Lestat's trying to drink his blood. And Louis like loses his nerve and kills the woman's dogs. <laughs> no. <laughs> and drinks their blood. It's gross. Like, right in front of her. And then Lestat has to like kill this woman. Yeah. Um, like not even like he, which I thought was kind of like funny that he didn't even like drink her blood. Cause that, like he just broke her neck and you can't drink. Like it's established later on that you can't drink from someone who's dead because yeah. you'll also get sick if you're a mm -hmm. vampire. Yeah. Um, and so it's like, it's like a funny odd couple pairing because they don't really get along because 
Lestat has been a vampire for a long time, so he's okay with killing, and Louis is not okay with killing. Yeah, and- I, I don't, I just, I just don't understand why Louis would want to become a vampire, knowing, like, he must have some knowledge about vampires or something. Like, he must know. I don't know. I, I just think it's weird that he went from being like, no, I'm, I want to die. I want to die. And then he's like, oh, live forever? Great. Love to. Like, what? what? <laughs> yeah, I think it, it's maybe explained better in the book, maybe, because I agree with you. It's, it's very weird. Like, his, what he goes through is very strange, where he, like you said, wants to, suddenly wants to live forever. But then once he gets it, he is like miserable like he's moody yeah Yeah. and and i wrote down like maybe part of the reason he's so moody no it see it doesn't even make sense i wrote down like maybe he's moody because he wanted to die and then lestat had him live forever but it was always a choice that's the thing it's like Mm -hmm. it's not like lestat was like oh you don't want to live forever well tough shit now i'm gonna make you um and it seems to me that if lestat is looking for a companion that it would be awfully weird to go after someone who's so mopey and moody all the time, you know? Yeah, that's actually, well, two things you made me think of. It's possible, I'm just thinking of this now, that his survival instinct kicked in and he realized he didn't want to die. They did not really show that in the movie. It's something that I'm just inferring. Like, maybe in the book they explain that, because they say, like, people who survive, like, jumping off, the golden gate bridge people who survive will say that they like change their minds yeah and they're like relieved that they didn't die and so i guess we're supposed to assume maybe that survive this is all like i said occurring to me now survival instinct kicked in he's like don't kill me but then another thing is there's something there's a thread throughout the whole movie that really confuses me and i i'm not sure so it's like everybody loves louis and i don't understand it like lestat really loves him antonio yep. banderas character later in the movie why is everyone so obsessed with him what is it about him and even claudia really loves him which makes more sense because she's like his daughter almost you know like a surrogate daughter and, like weird lover almost yeah like what is it about him that was my main question like did antonio banderas want to be in a re- i'm jumping way ahead but did he want to be in a relationship with him or something what I, I think so i think i think that i think if this movie was made nowadays i think there'd be a lot more homoeroticism in this but because it was made in the 90s i mean like even you know we did philadelphia and we talked about antonio banderas is in that too and when we talked about how tom hanks and like antonio banderas are supposed to be like in a relationship but you never see them like sh- like like kiss or like do anything romantic towards each other yeah which i think is very weird because that's a very natural thing for a couple to do is to kiss so um i think in in this day and age maybe you know i mean this was 26 years ago so if this day and age if this was made then or, or this was made now um, it would be much more likely that you would see two men have some sort of physical, uh, romantic, you know, um, moment with each other or whatever. Because I think that the idea is that Lestat and Louis are, are, are maybe supposed to be lovers or like that it's kind of like hinted at or like something like that. You know, um, you don't see that in the film but i think that's supposed to what it's supposed to be in the book is that they're supposed to be like together 
I think what you're saying makes total sense that they were just, they couldn't go that extra mile because audiences in the 90s like wouldn't have stood for it almost. Right. But I agree with you that if it was made now, I think that there would be like kissing or like some romantic entanglements because I didn't understand the relationships between the vampires. Like I didn't get why Claudia like knew that and she's like, he wants you and you want him. She's talking about Antonio Banderas's character, that vampire. I can't remember Armand. his name. Armand. Armand. Mm-hmm. So I'm like, want? Like, what does this mean? Is it is it like a vampire thing that they also don't explain? Or is it just like an attraction thing? And I, I was confused. Like, and that makes sense. Like, it's just like held back I mean, I think, by its time. I think maybe like personality-wise, Louis does not have it going on personality wise if he is if if Armand was interested in him because of his looks I could see that because he's got like this you know pouty mouth and he's a very like you know I mean he's he's got a very beautiful face very like a a symmetrical face so Mm -hmm. he's a handsome man Brad Pitt is not an, an unattractive man you know no right um but I, I don't really get it either because if it were me and I was a vampire, I'd be like, dude, you're a huge bore and you're like me, like you're depressing me and I kill people for a living. Like, so you need to go, away, you know, like, <laughs> well, but Armand also says something to him about like a vampire with a conscience. And I, so it was almost like, like Armand was attracted to something in his like depressed nature or something. I didn't understand. And I was hoping you could give me the answers. Maybe he's like a unicorn. He's like unique and special and rare. And so it's like a huge diamond. Like everyone wants it. You know what I mean? Like, you know, you can't wear the huge diamond, but you have it in your possession and then it's like special because you have it you know yeah I, guess I you know I, I mean it could be a possessive thing it could be I don't I guess I, I don't know I don't understand it either I it's that's it <laughs> what are you saying well I guess I guess he did say something about like a vampire with humanity or something and I, I guess it goes without I mean it goes along with the movie that the vampires are very soulless because they kill so easily without a second glance but because he felt such fear at first and such remorse all through his life it seemed like he felt remorse about killing maybe that that was attractive to armand and to other people because all the other vampires were just like evil without like evil without like uh, unapologetically evil is what i'm trying to say but right louis always felt bad about being evil so maybe they were attracted to that maybe that's why because you're like you said when you said he was a unicorn that sort of made me think yeah maybe he was a unicorn because he yeah. had a uniquely human point of view but he was still immortal almost so he was different well and like Armand has seemingly um surrounded himself with these vampires who they have no problem killing other vampires which is like they they said like you kill another vampire that's like a big deal in that community Mm -hmm. but then they went and they killed um madeline and they killed claudia you know Mm -hmm. and so if he is like i'm surrounded by all this destruction all the time surrounded by these people who really don't care 
and they're violent and aggressive and awful, but here you are, this like shining like beacon of of like hope because you have the smallest sense of humanity left over in you, even though you're not human. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I could, could I be. could see like I could see that being an attractive quality to someone who's lived for 400 years, like what our mom said, he lived for 400 years. Yeah. And um you've lived for that long and I'm assuming I'm assuming that there's others who've lived longer because 400 years as far as a vampire goes doesn't really seem that long to me like a long time seems like a thousand or two thousand years like I could see vampires from like ancient Egypt being around you know what I mean yeah Yeah. so well he said something that was really interesting he said like living forever not many vampires have the stamina to do it or something like that so he implied that like even though your body doesn't die you can slowly go mad and i think that's what happened to lestat like lestat was just like slowly going insane from living so long you know (laughs) yeah that's that totally could be true um but i think i don't know i i think that um I think the concept of vampires is really interesting. I think the concept of immortality is very interesting. It's not something I've ever wanted. I don't want to be immortal. I don't want to watch all my family and friends die around me while I'm still living. That sounds that sounds terrible. Like that sounds so depressing. Um, but it's it's. I think that maybe because Louis is still so young as far as vampires go. And, and when Armand meets him, because let's say he's probably like, maybe like 70 years old by now, you know, mm-hmm. maybe as, as far as vampire years go. So really, he's still pretty young. Um, and if he's still that young, then he still might be able to see people who are like people that he's known or something. You know what I mean? I don't know. It's It's... I don't, I don't really get why everyone is so fascinated with Louis either because I, I think he's very boring. I think he's a very boring character. And to me, I don't even really think he's that complex. Like, I don't have a lot of empathy for him. I don't really, like, I don't particularly care about Louis in any way, really, honestly. Um, if the entire movie had been about Lestat, which is maybe why I liked, um, what is that movie? Uh, Queen of the Damned, which was garbage. <laughs> I mean, it is it is a garbage film. First of all, uh, Stuart Townsend plays him, and he's kind of like he's kind of sexy as Lestat. But that's the only thing I've ever been like attracted to him in. Like everything else, I'm like I don't really get like. Well, okay, he was not bad in um, the League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, which was also a garbage movie. Um, where he played one of my favorite literary characters, Dorian Gray, and it was absolute trash. And I was so pissed off about how they did that. They did me dirty, Sam. They did me dirty. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Queen of the Damned is more focused on Lestat in, in in like contemporary times. He's like a rock star. He's like oh, <laughs> this, like yeah. And so he's. I think he's. I think if the entire movie was about Lestat, I would have been way more into it. But with Louis as the main character, I just, I don't think he has, I don't think he's an interesting enough character to, to carry the story. 
you know, to carry the plot. I, I agree and I disagree because I, like I said earlier, I liked their odd couple pairing, but I wish that Louis had been yeah. slightly like, I wish Louis had liked Lestat a little bit more so they could yeah. have more of a bond and then maybe it would have been a little bit more interesting because as it stood, like when he met Lestat later at the end of the movie in modern times, I didn't really care. And I wish, and I think right. if their bond had been better, I would have cared that they were back together, you know? Right. But I so think, anyway. Well, I, I think to, to play, to, um, to kind of like go further off on that, I think that as far as this movie goes, that there seems to be like a lack of, um, other than Claudia and Louie, there seems to be a lack of an emotional connection with people or with other vampires, you know, as like what you said, there's a lack of um, emotional connection with Lestat and, and Louie. And I feel like if you've been around each other for that long, for decades and decades, that something would grow, whether or not it's like, if you're going to have like this bond of like, we're stuck together, but we hate each other, then that would be more interesting than what they had, which was essentially kind of just like, oh, you're here. <sighs> you know, it's like, it's like how I feel about some relatives that I see on Christmas. I'm like, oh, hi. Bye. <laughs> you know, yeah. like, I don't, I don't I, particularly care to see them. Like, I don't really want to. So it's, yeah, I agree. Um, I wish that yeah. I wish that they had I wish that they had had more of a love-hate relationship because the relationship as it stood was more of like a hate-hate. Yeah. Or like a tolerate hate, but I wish it was more of a love-hate, like um yeah. like more of a tumultuous sort of affair relationship, not necessarily romantic, but not unromantic either, just like and, right. but instead like Louis just spent the whole time being disgusted by Lestat and then when Louis so to go back to take to take the story back so Louis and Lestat were like just not getting along and Louis is like fighting these animal urges to kill people and he gives in and he kills Kirsten Dunst's character whose mother died of the plague well, he doesn't kill her quite yet he drinks oh, he, from her blood he drinks yeah. her blood until she's like almost dead which, by the way, that scene, so I didn't quite remember how decomposed the mother was. Like, she was real, yeah, real dead. Like, she had been dead for, I would say, probably a week at least. Like, yeah. she was really, like, her skin was straight up green. And, um, and I didn't, I didn't remember that the first time I saw it. And then when I watched it this time, I was like, oh my, like, wouldn't, wouldn't, like, the, the little girl be like, wow this is like a really bad smell or something or someone would notice the scent because I think in like 1750 <laughs> something would probably have to smell really bad for you to notice <laughs> that's true that's because true. I'm sure they didn't have the greatest hygiene oh no um I actually recently read a cracked article about um like pooping in medieval times <laughs> and like how they had to like take care of like their poop and it sounded like it was a real bad time to be around then because there was like poop in the streets and not 
plumbing or like sewers really. So it was uh, pretty much everywhere. And it would like go into like people's like homes and like shops and stuff like that. And I was just like, the, like the way that it's portrayed in like movies is so romanticized, like glamorized. And it's that <laughs> like, I just think that I would imagine it would be like that in the 1700s, you know? Right. It yeah. Would be clean. Yeah. yeah. I, I saw something once about like a castle and they showed like the latrine area of the castle and the hole just went out like the hole that you went in just dropped the refuse just out into like the courtyard because oh, it can't, no. like it can't collect in there they said because the room was closed off so the methane would kill people oh so it, it had to be like it had to go out of the castle which is interesting it's something i never thought of before but the gases would get trapped Right. And then you'd asphyxiate after a while. I mean, not like, you know, like it would just right. be toxic in there. <laughs> so it's interesting. Yeah. Oh so anyway, so he drinks her blood until she's almost dead. And then Lestat like gets her and brings her back to their house. And it's, it's like, it makes me sad because I really would have liked the relationship because like Lestat could see that Louis didn't like Lestat. So Lestat right. was like, let's have a little kid between us like it's like the classic like and the article sort of talks about this too like our relationship isn't working so let's have a baby almost and i yes. like that but i wish like i think it would have been more magical if louis had showed some affection toward lestat but then didn't like if he was on again off again instead of just always off like he never liked lestat right. but right. i like that lestat wanted louis around so badly that he's like this is my take on it at least i i don't know maybe he was trying to upset louis for and like kill the little girl i'm not sure but i thought he was like you need you know like having this little girl will keep you with me and so it's right like manipulative almost but so he turns claudia into a vampire and i really well, like no, louis does mention that later that he says he does mention that lestat essentially created claudia into a vampire to keep him around oh he yeah, does actually yes. say that yes. yeah yeah so, so i you're really not, liked you're, you're not wrong about that i liked what came but, next i loved the just the idyllic time of the three of them together like yeah <laughs> yeah like two dads and a baby basically <laughs> i know? know i i really actually i think claudia as a character is very interesting because um because at first like she's a little girl and she's a little girl and she can be a little girl for several years. But then as she starts growing up, she is like, I'm sure having stuff like sexual urges in an 11 year old's body. And so it's like, how frustrating would that be to see, you know, these beautiful, like full grown women and, or like that one woman that she saw that was like changing or like whatever she was doing and she was naked. Um, and, just have like knowing that you're never going to grow into that and you're never going to change and you're always going to look like a little girl it's like at that point and all i can think of is like at that point like if you were a vampire now and you were a little girl or you look like a little girl like your best bet for getting prey would be to to um try and find pedophiles because they're the ones that would come or like you know like babysitters or something but it, it like it, it's just the whole idea of it is so distressing to me it's so distressing and upsetting 
because she's never going to change and she's and she's having this absolutely like just this frustrated feeling where she can't do anything about it it's not like it's a medical issue you know it's not like she's not growing because she doesn't have the right hormones or something that in her body or she's not hitting puberty properly it's always forever going to be this way and it's it's i think that as far as as kirsten dunn's um performance goes i think she does a fantastic job of showing that she for like how young she was because she was 10 i think when she was in this movie or she was 10 or 11 um for not knowing like how that might feel you know because she's 10 or 11 she i think she does a very good job of portraying that sort of frustrated feeling that this vampire would have because this vampire is never going to change and her story always depressed me so much because i cannot imagine that frustration and living in that body and and wanting and like desiring what you essentially can't have because you look like a child you know yeah i totally agree with everything you're saying i think it's I mean, I don't want to throw around phrases, but I think her performance is pretty brilliant. And I think her character is the most compelling because just like you said, her body is a little girl, a child's body forever, but her mind is going to expand because she's a vampire and she's going to live forever. And I love the scene where she sees, I think the woman is bathing. She sees the woman bathing and the woman is naked and um lestat says something like he makes it he makes a comment about like oh thinking about like drinking her blood basically like is this going to be your next victim or something and she says something like no i I don't want her i want to be her and it's so sad it's so heartbreaking because she knows that she can never grow up like when you're a kid you just want to grow up you know right and when you're a kid forever trapped forever in a kid's body yeah and there were some moments with her and there were some moments with her that I thought like, how could they get a little kid to be like that? Cause there were moments with her where, with her and Louie, where there was like almost like a weird sexual tension. And I don't yeah. know how they could get a little girl to do that so well, because it's not like body it's well done. It's like what I would expect a vampire right. child and an adult male who are like bonded to act, but that's not real life. So how do they get a girl to do that? You know? Yeah. Like, no, it was definitely like, it wasn't like ever portrayed as like being disgusting or like him being a pedophile or anything, any sort of like, it didn't really like make you uncomfortable really. It made, cause it felt, it felt right for their story. And I totally agree with you. I think that as like, I mean, Kirsten Dunst like well earned like the praise that she did for this role because it's phenomenal. She's fantastic. And I think she is, I'm getting goosebumps talking about her. Like, cause I like, I, I just, I think she's so, she's so talented and I kind of like forget how talented she is until I watch that movie again. And I'm like, oh my God, that's right. She's so good, you know? And I, I don't really know how they would have done that either, but I, I think that the guy, the guy who directed it, Neil Jordan, also did um, 
some the crying game, which I never saw, but I guess the crying game did really well. And that's how he was chose to do this movie because this movie was in production for like 20 years before they finally chose a director. Oh, okay. like it was, yeah. Like they were planning it for a long time before they were like, okay, let's get this guy to do it and let's do it and screen light it. So yeah, I, he, he did a good job. He got her to just, I mean, it it was, it's so good. Like she steals the show a lot of times and I really like her outbursts, like her outbursts when they, when Lestat, Lestat gives her this doll and she's like every day for, or on the same day for 30 years, the same day each year you give me a doll. Is this my birthday? And he's like, well, I guess it is. And then he he sets it down and he's like, some of these dolls are old. You should get rid of them. And she's not interested in dolls anymore because she wants to be an adult, you know? Right. And she's they move like 40 the dolls. at that point. Yeah. Yeah. Like mentally, she's like 40. Yeah. Yeah. And they move the dolls and the dead body of the woman they saw bathing was laying underneath the dolls. Yeah. And I thought that, I don't know, I, I, I thought that was a really nice touch that she like... She's basically like a serial killer and she has this like memento of this woman who she wants to be. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And yeah. I just, it's a very interesting and, and deep storyline. And I love her outburst at that scene. She's like raging around the house, like, a, like an 11 year old girl would do, but also like a very frustrated adult woman would do, you know? Right, right. Yeah, like, I mean, she's she is raging like a person who is stuck in an 11-year-old's body would, who is mentally 40 years old. Like, yes. Yeah, and and it's it's very compelling. She does such a good job. It's, her story is so sad. I mean, it's so sad. Like, I, every time that they change Claudia, I'm just like, I'm just so bummed out that she's so young, you know? Um, because yeah. her experience would have been vastly different if she was an adult vampire, you know? Yeah. And oh, big time. Now everyone just looks at her like, "Oh, little girl, are you okay?" And she's like, "I'm not a little girl," <laughs> you know? Like, yeah. Ah, and I'm she's like, you. she's like super ruthless. Like, she has no problem killing. Like, yeah, yeah. Like Louis, Louis moves on from eating rats and he moves to humans but he like i don't think he's ever happy about it but she's just like she loves killing and eating yeah. and well and so you anyway, know what that's like that what that's what always bothers me about like louie is that you should love killing <laughs> if you're a vampire like you should relish it because you are the predator and they are the prey and you should want to kill them because that is in like that's instinctual to who that that who he is you know and i don't yeah, know i think I, that that fits into like his being a unicorn like i think that that's like some sort of unique thing and i wonder if in the book they describe it better but in the movie you're right it just makes it look like he's like eh. emo he's not a very emo good whiny. vampire no no he's not no so um let's move on to the vampire theater you want to talk about that oh yes well first really quickly because okay i just think we should explain for people who haven't watched the movie so like claudia concocts this way to kill the stat so her oh, and that's Louis right that's leave. right yeah and that's she kind of <laughs> she gives um so she gives these two little boys which is interesting she gives them laudanum which i recently just learned what laudanum was because they talk about laudanum on tombstone so i thought that was a really interesting like connection i was actually wondering if laudanum was the thing and and i know that this is like the last episode 
But the thing that the doctor gave um, Carmen in Pan's Labyrinth. Maybe, maybe. Yeah. It's like yeah. an opiate, it's a, so. It's a very strong, um, I think it's like a very strong sleeping like drug, right? Or something like that. Well, I, I think it, it's it's like it's like opium, so I don't know exactly what its effects are. But it, I think if, probably if you give them too much, it yeah. But it killed these little boys. But she told Lestat that they were passed out from drinking absinthe, mm -hmm. which how very Victorian, I know. <laughs> um, so so he starts drinking their blood and realizes that they're dead, and she tricked him, and he gets really sick. And they, instead of like, this is something interesting. So. Louis helps her dispose of the body, but they don't dispose of it the way you would a vampire. Like, they don't cut the head off. They don't burn it. They just put him in the swamp. Yeah, I thought that was weird. Well, like, so she cuts his throat, too. And oh, so yeah, he, like, essentially yeah. bleeds out, which I don't really know what that means to a vampire because yeah, you're a vampire. So, so Louis, um, like, convinces her to yeah, put the I thought, body in. Yeah, I thought that was yeah no i'm agreeing with you like it, to put the body in the swamp versus like actually take like drastic action to actually make sure he's dead so right? i don't know if that like yeah like is that to say that louis still liked lestat some a little bit or is it just his like humanity and not wanting to kill anything i don't understand that unless it's i it's motivation like it just accelerates the plot later because how can Lestat come back i don't know well maybe i i mean to me to me louis never seemed like he was fully on board with killing lestat like yeah he, was he like, seemed kind of like it was like he was like 80 percent on board but that there was like a 20 percent part of him that was like eh, this is still my maker <laughs> you know like maybe um but claudia was so ruthless you know and she was the one that concocted the entire idea and i don't even think that louis had any clue what she was planning really it didn't yeah. kind of seem like that because when she um, killed him he was shocked yeah. yeah 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 so they they hid the body in the swamp and then um you know i mean he used he, there's like an alligator that you see crawling towards him because they're in new orleans and 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 he like drinks the blood of the alligator and survives so but you don't see that until like later in the film um which I have something to say about that because he kind of dies twice, you know, like he gets set on fire too, which in my mind, if you're set on fire, like you dead, well, <laughs> you know, I don't know how you the other vampires is he set them on fire. So I don't know how right. he survived that. Yeah. So how, yeah, exactly. Like I kind of had a big, I had a big issue with Lestat, like, you know, like Lestat, would I think would be turned to ash or more or less like his, his flesh and his body would burn away and then there would be no reason for him to come back. It's not like, like you ever seen Hellraiser? No. Okay. So in Hellraiser, there's a guy named, uh, there's a character named Frank Cotton and Frank um, opens this, this little box that like, if you open the box, you, you get these like Cenobites that come to you and they give you like all the pain and pleasure of the world. And it's supposed to be like this really like highly erotic, but like super painful experience. I don't know. I don't really get it. Anyway. So this is Frank does this and like his skin is like torn off of his body and he's more or less like a skeleton, but he survives because the this woman that he was in love with like would kill these people and the people's like blood and gut it's like a really gory movie by the way but like the blood and guts would like seep into the floor where he was i think he was like like his body laid to rest and he would 
use that blood and gore to like come back to life. So in this case though, it's, you're being burned alive. So you're not like, it's not the same thing where, you know, someone's blood is going to bring you back to life, especially since he's being burned alive. And then like they say a bunch of houses burned in New Orleans. So it's not even, it's not even just him. It's like, there's all this, like all this fire that spread down across the way. So it, I don't like, yeah, so he comes back. They're like, Claudia and Louis are about to go to Europe. Yeah. And Stat shows up and he's like, yeah, I ate all the wild animals around the swamp. So he's still like super weak and he looks really gaunt. Mm-hmm. And then they light him on fire in the ensuing fight to like get away from him. They light him on fire. And yeah, as they're in the ship sailing away, like the whole quarter is on fire. Yeah. So how did he escape? the one fire but then how did he escape the whole quarter fire because louis like i said kills all the people in the van all the vampires in the theater by lighting them on fire oh but then he also like slices them in half i guess so maybe that's the difference um but not all of them oh well yeah okay some of them yeah you're right no i don't know i i mean i don't know if it's fire is such a destructive force that it seems to me like even a vampire wouldn't survive through that you know it's like it just to me it it doesn't seem right and they don't give an explanation as to how he survives yeah you know it's not like he's like i stopped dropped and rolled and it you know i wasn't on fire anymore (laughs) which have you have you ever seen those memes where people are like I, when I was younger, I sure thought that stop dropping and rolling would come, like, would be a bigger part of my life when I grew up. <laughs> I've seen ones about the Bermuda Triangle that I definitely relate to. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, so they go to Europe. Yeah. And they are looking all over, like, they go all over Europe looking for other vampires and they can't find any. And then finally in Paris. Well, they, they go to, like, Egypt and stuff like that. They go all over the world. Yeah, and then finally in Paris, Louis stumbles across like a weird mime vampire, and then Armand as well. Yeah, Santiago. And so Who, Santiago. Did you, know seems- that, did you know that that was Stephen Ray? No. Yeah, Santiago's Stephen Ray. I would like if I didn't know that, I would have been like, that guy looks really familiar, but I don't think I would have put two and two together. I'm not sure what he's even been in. Let's see here. He was in V for Vendetta. He was in. Oh, he was also. In oh, okay. Game. I did not know it was him. Jeez. No, he was so young though too, but yeah. Yeah. No. Right. Um, so Armand invites Louis to the theater and I, so the theater is weird. Did everybody in the audience, were they all vampires? Did they know that the people were really vampires? What was happening in this whole scene? Explain it to me. Um, so I think Louis and Claudia were vampires and the performers were all vampires. I think everyone in the lower part of the audience were human. And they just thought it was a play or did they know yeah. that they were vampires? Oh, I think okay. that they thought it, well, I don't know. I don't I know. That, that is a good question because there is that one woman who stood up and she was like, 
she was like, Monsieur Vampire, I adore you. Take me instead or something like that. Who I always, I don't know why, but I always loved that scene. Like just that part. I was always like, she's so like passionate and excited over it that I was like, yes. <laughs> like, you know, um, like I was like, turn her into a vampire. She's interesting. She's fun, <laughs> you know. But um, I always got the impression that everyone else was human and just thought it was like a an act, like it was a play. But I don't know. Maybe it, it seems to me like they would not know that they were vampires because it seems like that would be something that vampires wouldn't um, like w they wouldn't want people to actually know that they exist because yeah. they could get hunted down or they wouldn't, you know, they wouldn't have like the private personal lives that they have if if a bunch of humans are like totally aware that they that vampires exist. But it is called like the it's like theater de vampire or something like that so it is called like vampire theater yeah so i was very confused because they have this poor woman on stage and they strip her down so she's shirt topless and and she's like begging for her life but the audience i guess the audience is mostly humans and they all just think it's an act but the yeah. vampires like really like all like collectively go to her and start feeding on her as the curtain closes right and so louis is like disgusted by the whole thing but i just didn't i didn't understand because yeah i think like a woman in the audience wouldn't stand up and be like take me if she knew they were really vampires but then again it's called vampire theater so what what is the audience like what i don't know happening <laughs> I, I, yeah, that's a good question because it, it seemed to me like the audience was disturbed over this, the scenario, but not like, but not so disturbed where they're like, oh, that was definitely a person that died. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, um, they, like it was just a disturbing show, but not like a real. Murder. Right. And like, I always like, I always felt like that, that whole scene was so like scary kind of, you know what I mean? Like not, not like scary, like boo scary, but just so like this woman is helpless and she's on stage and then she sees you know and she's and like santiago is just like this giant piece of shit like seems like he's really like just an ass and then armand comes out and he is almost like almost like her savior kind of like that's kind of how she's looking at him and he just ends up like drinking her blood and then they all attack her and so she dies and it, it's I don't know that that whole scene always it always disturbed me it always like it, it it just ruffled my feathers you know it reminds me of I heard about like something like Dateline or like 2020 or some some entity like that did a uh, a thing back in like the early 2000s that a manager at my at the theater was telling me about and he said that they would set up this thing in the subways. And they would have a woman get kidnapped to see who helped her. And most of the time, nobody would help. Like somebody oh would come and pick her up and carry her away. And she would scream and she would scream for help. Right. And in like, I don't know, like 90% of the time, 85% of the time, nobody would, would do anything. They wouldn't, they wouldn't help her at all. And like, I don't know how much of that is scripted and how much of that is real, like, of their study. Like, you know what I mean? But I think the sentiment is there because they tell you, I, like, as a female, I've been told multiple times, like, if you're in trouble, don't yell help, yell fire. Right. 
And so I think that scene is scary. I agree with you. It's scary because it's like this woman is literally fighting with people, like saying on the stage, like, help me. But nobody knows. Like nobody can, nobody will help her because they don't know the danger that she's in almost. You know what I mean? Like she's literally in front of a crowd that could probably help her. Yeah. But she's alone. She's literally, she's, I keep saying literally, she is fully alone. Nobody's going to help her. And that's, and it is, it's a very like heavy scene. Um, so back to your 2020 thing. Did you ever hear about Kitty Genovese? No. You ever heard about, okay. So it was in the forties and, um, she was murdered in front of like, like she was murdered outside of her apartment and there was like 30 people who essentially just watched her be murdered and didn't do anything. didn't call the police. Oh, really? And that's where the bystander effect that term came from. Oh, it's from Kitty Genovese murder. Um, really like that's a true story. So I'm not actually really surprised about the kidnapping thing. And I mean, how fucking disturbing is that though? You know, it's, but in this case, to go back to what we were talking about in this case of this woman being on stage, it's less of a situation to me where if someone is in the audience, they're really thinking this is happening and more thinking that this is a scripted thing, you know? Um, Yeah. But yeah, it's, I mean, she, it's like, utterly can... humiliating for her. She's stripped down. She's stripped till she's totally naked. And then she's murdered. You and know? She can scream for help all she wants, but they just think it's part of the show. Right. So it's, yeah. yeah, it's like no amount, no amount of pleading will get them to believe it. Yeah. Yeah. Um, actually kind of always like that scene and like how it, disturbing it is because I like disturbing, I like creepy and disturbing shit. Um, but I was, it always made me feel uncomfortable. You know, it, it was, uh, it's, it's I a very, it's just an interesting, it's just interesting. It's an interesting part of it. Yeah. I guess it's like well-made, but I didn't particularly enjoy it because I was kind of confused. I didn't understand why I don't, I honestly don't understand why a bunch of vampires would just be like, let's start a theater company, you know? Yeah, I don't, (laughs) don't like, I I would think that the only reason that they would do it is because they are trying to get victims, but then, um, or or prey, but, but then, like, people are going to be like, oh, I'm going to the vampire theater this weekend, and then someone, you know, whoever they told, they're like, it's so weird that, you know, so-and-so hasn't, like I haven't seen them in in several weeks, and the last that I heard of them is they went to this vampire theater, and then, you know, as more people are starting to come together and say this, like, at one point someone will be like, I think that there might be real vampires in this vampire yeah, theater. Why is the female? Why is the female character played by a different actress every every show? Every time, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, and that that is an interesting. I, I don't, I really don't know. I, I, in my mind, I'd assume that the part of the audience is human, but you, you, you don't know. Yeah. 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 So basically like Louis tries to keep himself and Claudia away from the vampires. Cause he called them like monsters for what they did. But then Claudia, but Louis like Louis is drawn to Armand because Armand gives him answers about being a vampire that Lestat never did. Yeah, so I think that's interesting. And Armand 
we don't know why Armand is particularly drawn to Louis, just maybe the things that we've surmised on this show now. Yeah. But I was kind of confused at the time because I was like, what, what is happening? I didn't care for this part of the movie because I, I was kind of confused. I didn't understand Armand's motivations. And it's only while talking about it with you that I've kind of been like, okay, maybe that makes sense. So I can kind of like come to terms with it. Yeah. But um, I think Armand was attracted to Louis too yeah yeah so uh so claudia can i guess sense that because claudia like brings a woman back to their home and like wants louis to turn the woman into the vampire so she can have a, a another companion because she says louis gonna abandon her for armand and that made me really sad like why he said too i don't understand why though like i don't i mean i, I I don't understand why he would abandon her. Like they can only have one companion. What kind of companionship did he have with Claudia that he can't have if he's with Armand? And what kind of companionship was he going to have with Armand? Because it seemed to me like Armand was just like, he just wanted Armand to be his, his teacher. It right. didn't seem like he was, I don't, I didn't understand their motivations at all. I think that maybe it's like, being in a monogamous relationship with someone so you're dating someone and then you're like okay i'm starting to have feelings for another person maybe i no longer am interested in the person that i'm currently dating because i'm actually like in love with someone else maybe that's kind of what claudia thought it would be i also think it was less that she was maybe like less that she was worried that he was going to abandon her and more that she um, if she, if something did happen to him for whatever reason, if Armand, you know, um, stole him away or whatever, Claudia would be totally alone because she's incapable of turning another person into a vampire. Yeah. They never explained why that is. I think she doesn't, I think because she's so small, maybe she can't drink enough of the blood oh. that's in an adult body. That's, that's what I always thought. I thought that maybe, um, because you're supposed to bring someone to like the brink of death. So you're essentially drinking almost all of their blood. But she would kill them. Well, yeah, but well, oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, that's not, because I like that theory. That theory makes a lot of sense to me, except for the fact that she would kill them. So I, yeah. So she has killed, yeah, she's killed people before. I don't know. They don't well, explain it. But Lestat oh, says don't. Lestat says earlier, like you can never do this. And they so yeah, but I, I like your theory. I just it like I said, there's that tiny little hole, but <laughs> Yeah, that's a little uh well sh well shit. <laughs> I guess my theory doesn't really work then. Does Shattering it? illusions. Yeah. Damn. <laughs> I wanted to be right. Um I, I think it's a good, I mean, it makes as much sense as anything else in the movie. So that's true. It, it so anyway, her, her wanting to change. Maybe Madeline. she can't lose that much blood for them drinking it from her. Like maybe she's not strong enough to fight them off. Oh, after they, oh, that she makes, drinks okay, all their blood, one. but she's not strong enough or big enough for them to not drain all of her blood or something when they're drinking hers, maybe. That, that makes sense. That could work. 
just playing on your idea that you put in my head. So, <laughs> um, her, so her wanting Madeline as a companion, I always thought was just very sad because she's expecting to be abandoned because, you know, mm-hmm. I think that, I think what essentially kind of like her idea is that, um, or the idea is that Armand is kind of this like new shiny vampire and he's, you know, he's a little sexy and he's, you know, and he's got a little something, something, he's got that accent. And, um, and she sees that, that Louis could potentially have a relationship with him. And because she's so, she's so small, like she still looks like a child. Maybe in her mind, it's like, I can't provide him with what he needs. Oh, maybe yeah. like sexually or something. Yeah. Because she's a child. Like and, he'll and always body. see, he'll always see her as a child. She could never right. be his like lover or anything. Right. And she calls yeah. him her, her father, her mother, whatever. But um, I always, I always thought that there was something kind of romantic going on between them. Oh, big time. Yeah, yeah. for and sure. She kisses him on the mouth at one point too. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, and then they, they change Madeline into the, into a vampire and that's when all the other shitty vampires come in and kidnap them. Right. Yeah. Because they find out that they killed Claudia. Well, they find out that Claudia and Louis killed Lestat, Lestat. So they kidnapped yeah. them and they banish Louis like to be stuck in a coffin for eternity. Yeah. And then they put Madeline and Claudia in a like a dungeon in the sunlight, kills them in the morning. And yeah. then Louis goes on that then Armand lets sets Louis free and Louis goes on that killing rampage. And Armand like offers to like Armand wants Louis to stay with him. Like he rescued him because he wants them to stay together. But Louis is like, no, I'm not interested. Yeah. Um, so I have something to say. Um, I know we've talked about what, what we do in the shadows, the TV show. There is a character uh, named Guillermo in that. And Guillermo is, is one of the, the vampires familiars. And he is obsessed with Armand from Interview with the Vampire. Like, he wants to be Armand from Interview with the Vampire. There's, like, pictures of him dressed up like him when he was a kid. Like, it's really, it's pretty cute. It's pretty cute. Um, but I just wanted to mention that because I was like, this is so essential. And what we do in the shadows is such a funny TV show. And I still need to see the movie. But um, it, it's, it's perfect. It's perfect. <laughs> Because, oh, because um, Armand is, is, um, was essentially the first, like, Hispanic Latino vampire. Oh. Yeah. yeah. Okay. hmm And Guillermo is Hispanic Latino. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyway. Um, <clears throat> yeah, so, yeah, then Louis is kind of just, like, not, he's not interested in Armand, and I... I understand why he would feel that way. I feel like I would always connect the death of Claudia to like this guy, you know? Yeah. I don't, I don't think I could personally, like if I was him, I don't think I could personally ever look past that. I'd always be like, mm, but you were there. Like you knew. Yeah. You didn't come to our rescue until it was too late. Um, yeah. Also like yeah. he's, he's pretty forlorn after Claudia dies. Like he's listless. He doesn't really, cause I think like, I don't think he was ever planning on abandoning her. Because he said to Armand multiple times, if you want me to come with you, she's coming too. Yeah. But I think their relationship was going to change. Like he, he would be altering whatever relationship him and Claudia had would be altered 
if they went with Armand. And so obviously yeah. Claudia, but then Claudia wanted to have her own companion. So at that point they, you know, they probably would have been parting ways and maybe like Louis would have been okay parting ways knowing that she was alive and okay in the world. But the fact that she's not anywhere, I think he was kind of lost without her. I think so too. I think, I think it would have been an interesting exploration to see how Claudia and Louis, Louis relationship would have changed because I think that, um, I think she would have felt very resentful towards Armand. Oh, yeah. You know, sure. resentful and angry. And she's, and Claudia's an angry character anyway, you know, understandably so, really. Like, I would be too caught in a child's body and having a 40 year old's mind. Like, how frustrating. Yeah. So, um, so I was actually going to text you at this point, but then I didn't when he was watching all those movies and he's watching like the, the, like, you know, he's going to like the Nickelodeon or whatever and like watching like the Superman movies and all that stuff. Um, and I was going to text you and say, oh, Louis is a watcher of movies. <laughs> I, I don't know why I didn't. I want to really, mention it on here. I really liked that he said, you know, like time passed and he went back to Louisiana and time passed and he was in the modern age and he was able to finally see colors again, like colors that look like they, like the blue of the water and things that he couldn't see because he was only awake at night or alive at night and he was able to see sunrises again. And I thought that was, I really liked that. That was very like. I did too. I did too. Cinematic. and I always like, so I always kind of thought that if a vampire is, is at like, is only alive or awake at night or whatever, um, it seems to me like their eyes would be developed enough to be able to see those colors that they wouldn't normally be able to see in the daylight. You know what I mean? Like maybe yeah, they would have a couple more cones and rods in their eyes. Yeah, and like Lestat, I guess their only power though is seeing statues blink their eyes. They can't <laughs> see extra color. But I know what you mean. I would have thought that they'd have like cat night vision. You know, like they'd be able to see really well. Yeah. No, yeah. but I, and I and I I liked and I to to kind of just go back to when um, Claudia and him were traveling along in the on the boat and she was painting. Um, I thought it was really cool that she was painting everything in black and white, Yeah, you know, like mm-hmm. it was just a very interesting way to kind of show, but it, it's I, like, it, that's so lame to me. Like, it seems like if you're going to have, if you're a freaking vampire and you have all these extra abilities, um, it's like, why wouldn't you have extra cones and rods in your eyes to make you be able to see more, more light and more color? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, I guess like the ocean water is blue because like it reflects the sky. I don't know if it's blue oh, on its own. Yeah. That's true. But for like the green of trees I don't and know. stuff, like I would think like if you're walking through a forest at night, you should be able to see all the greens and everything. Like if you're a yeah. vampire. Yeah. But yeah, I thought that was cool that he was able to see movies. But then I thought it was really lame when he like walked to the theater and was walking down the road in New Orleans and he's like, and I smelled death. Death that was too faint for a human to smell. And then he walks into this, like, he's walking down a city street, but walks into this decrepit building, and there's Lestat sitting in a chair. And Lestat is, like, very gaunt, which I don't get. Like, he's had a 100, 100 years or more to feed and be healthy again. Yeah, I don't get it. Well, and also, why didn't he burn in the 
fire. Well, that's, yeah, obviously, <laughs> yes. Yeah. And then Lestat has this, like, monologue that I found to be kind of tiresome. I mean, I don't, I barely remember like, it. Like, I don't even really care what they talked about. But then Louis was like, I can't stay with you. And Louis leaves. And then we get back to, like, modern day, like, present, present day, where he's in the interview. And Christian Bale, like, offers himself, like, Later. I want to be a vampire, too. You want me Christ- as your companion, right? Christian Slater, I- not Bale. Sorry. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Christian Slater was like you want me to be a vampire that's why you that's why you brought me here you want me to be your companion and louis was like no and in my head i was like but what well wouldn't that you don't want he just didn't want a companion or what like like he just wanted to tell some random dude his entire life story he's yeah. like no dude i just want to fucking talk about myself for two hours like <laughs> yeah and then so and then like louis leaves mysteriously and then well, he like almost attacks Christian Slater and Christian Slater like flips out and is like, okay, got to go by him. And yeah. And then, and then Slater, you don't really see Louis for the rest of, of the film. Right. He kind of right. just, yeah. But it's, I mean, it's the end. So, um, and he's, and Christian Slater's driving away in his Corvette or his Corvette. I don't know. Fucking convertible, whatever the, whatever, you know what I mean? Anyways, driving away in his convertible. And of course, for some reason, Lestat's like, like, must have stalked Louis and Christian Slater there because he was in the back seat of the car and then attacks Christian Slater while he's driving super safe by the way <laughs> like if you're gonna you know if you're gonna drink your victim's blood let's maybe wait until the car stops I'm just saying like at a red light I don't know you know stop sign anyway but and- like Lestat is in perfect health yeah and he like drinks his blood or he drinks christian slater's blood and he's like totally like you can see like literally the color comes back to his skin you're like watching it come back and um and he's like oh oh my god i'm back to my fabulous self that's so much better you know and and then he does the whole thing i'm gonna give you a choice that i never had yeah and then yeah so christian slater has the opportunity to become a vampire but the movie ends but i didn't understand that either so does he just always want what louis like does he why did he choose christian slater because is it because louis like didn't kill him so he thought i'll just finish the job is that or was he like stalking louis for years and years and years i i mean we don't really know so I'm kind of assuming when Lestat and Louis met up again that it was like the 80s. I don't know why I'm assuming that. I think because you see Superman and then he like walks out of the theater. So I'm assuming it was like the 80s. So I'm guessing it's been like a decade plus and um, maybe Lestat has been stalking Louis. And I I don't know. They don't, I, I always liked the ending though. I never had a problem with it. I always liked that he did attack Christian Slater and was like, I'm going to give you the choice I never had because I was always curious. And the Christian Slater's character's name is Malloy. I was always cr- curious what Malloy like decided, you know? And yeah. I always kind of assumed that he was like, yeah, let's do it. <laughs> like change me to vampire. Yeah. Yeah. I would assume he was like, yeah, change me because he wanted to be one. But I just, I was wondering if like Louis and Lestat were working as a tag team or if Lestat was just stalking Louis. I don't think so. I doubt, I doubt that Louis and Lestat were working as a tag team. I would assume that Louis, I would assume that Louis is kind of a loner, you know? Yeah. But I don't, 
I don't know. I, I just think as a vampire, Louis so lame. Like I, I love Lestat because he's so crazy and aggressive and like, and I like, he's just a great, interesting character. And I just think Louis is so boring. And I, and you know, I, I, I wished my mind had changed, but I, I still feel the same way about this movie. It's like, it's this, it's a weird mixture of like, yeah, I like it ish, you know, like I, I like aspects of it, but I would say as a whole, I wouldn't say that I necessarily love this film, you know? Right. Yeah. I feel the same way. I don't hate Louis as much as you do. <laughs> um, I think like, I really don't like Louis. <laughs> like this reminds me of like a discussion I had about Tombstone with Mike, like Val Kilmer's character is amazing but he plays like a side character to Kurt Russell and too much of Val Kilmer's character might've been too much for the movie. And Lestat is kind of the same thing. Like he's awesome because he's not like in it the whole time. But at the same time, I wish that him and Lou, I wish that Louis would have liked him more. I wish they would have been better friends than they were. And I think it would have been more enjoyable. Yeah. Yeah. I would have, I mean, I would have liked a love hate relationship, you know, like, yeah, you know, because I could see, I could definitely see Lestat having these moments of like kindness or like warmth towards Louis, you know, where he does something that's like kind. And so Louis might be like, oh, maybe you're not that bad of a person, you know, or a vampire after all. But then, you know, you'd see Lestat do something incredibly cruel or whatever. And he's like, ah, oh, shit, you know, you're kind of an ass, you know? So, yeah, but there's not, you're right. There's never any of that. It's just kind of Louis just moping around and Lestat being like, let's go drink blood, bro. Like, you know, yeah. I mean, it's, <laughs> yeah, I don't know. So yeah. Um, Would you recommend this movie? Um, I think if you are a, a Brad Pitt fan or a Tom Cruise fan or you really like vampires then yeah sure I think as far as characters go there's a lot of really interesting and complex characters in it um especially Claudia yeah if you're a huge Kristen Kirsten Dunst fan especially yes overall I don't know I, I I'm I'm on the fence about it I there's there's part of me that says yes and there's part of me that's says like if you don't like kind of these type of movies then you're not gonna like it you know like you're you don't like vampires like what you said you're not gonna like it um so maybe <laughs> i guess is my answer i don't really i wouldn't say i have a yes or no answer i would say mine mine's really like maybe yeah i feel similarly like i lean more towards no i would not recommend it but i think Tom Cruise and Kirsten Dunst do give great performances and it is kind of interesting to see a movie that was like pretty popular from the 90s yeah but yeah I I discovered I don't care for vampires I think the drinking of blood is gross I think it's a little bit too long and it's also kind of confusing like there's a lot of things that I think maybe don't make sense because I hadn't read the book and right so yeah well, I, I don't know the source material is too vast to stick it into a two-hour movie because I'm pretty sure that the book is very long yeah so yeah 
I probably wouldn't recommend it to anybody, but I wouldn't tell somebody not to watch it. Like I wouldn't say it's a terrible movie. Don't ever watch it. I think it's, it's a movie. Yeah. That, that's kind of how I feel. I think like, I think if it was like, kind of like in your case, how you're like, oh, I've always, I've always been intrigued by this film that I was like, you should watch it because you've always been interested in it and you should see it. But, um, I think unless it's like the type of thing that comes up in conversation, I wouldn't ever be like, Oh, by the way, watch interview for the, actually I did that today when I was in, <laughs> I was in a meeting with my supervisor, but oh. I was like, I watched interview with the vampire last night. And she's like, and we kind of talked about it, but I wasn't recommending it. I was just saying that I watched it. Yeah. But I, it's, it's definitely not like, you know, if, like some, like some great movies I've seen where I'm like, Oh my God, I watched this movie last night. It was so good. It was so good. Like you should definitely see it. This is, I would never do that with this. Yeah. 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 No, I, I agree. Yeah. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's, it's decent. It's got a lot of really good parts to it, but it, I wouldn't, it's, I don't know. It's, it's 90s. I think it's like 90s good. You know, it's, I don't think it's too 2020 good. And I think if there was a lot more um, homoeroticism to it, if there was less, like fear of showing two men being like romantically affectionate towards each other because this was nineties and things were so, you know I mean? There, I think there was like the AIDS crisis going on, you know, it's like, it's, well, actually, I don't know that if it was going on during the nineties, I'm not really sure. I was pretty young when this came out. So like, give me a break. I was like seven, <laughs> like, you know, but like, um, yeah, that's, that's what I'd say. Yeah. I think, yeah. I think, potentially if it was made into a movie now it could be done better but i i don't want it to be made into a movie like it's fine the way it is you know i would like it to be made into a remake <laughs> i would not mind that at all actually i think i'd be really interested in that i would be curious as to see who they would uh cast in that in these roles because i i don't think brad pitt and tom cruise I, obviously kirsten Dunst could not reprise her role but yeah um mm -hmm. Yeah, I don't know if I don't know if they could. I would really. I, I don't think, know if I'd want to see Brad Pitt in this role again. To be honest with you, I think like if it was four years ago, Millie Bobby Brown could probably do a really good job, but she's yeah. too old. She's too yeah. old now. Yeah. Yeah, she's like sixteen, seventeen now. So yeah, yeah. Um, so yeah, you're right. She'd be amazing at that role, actually. It's yeah. It's the end of Spooktober. It is the end of Spooktober. Spooktober has ended. So you, Halloween will have passed by the time you're listening to this. Happy Halloween. Happy belated Halloween. <laughs> belated. Um, I don't know what you're doing, Sam. I'm going to pass out candy to little kids and dress up like Tonks from Harry Potter. <laughs> is there still trick-or-treating happening? Yeah, apparently there is. Yeah, oh, in my neighborhood, in my parents' cool. neighborhood. So um, that's what I do every year. I go to my parents' place and I pass out candy to little kids because they're so cute. Their costumes. I love seeing them. That sounds fun. That'll be yeah, fun. It's yeah, it's fun. Okay, so if you like what you heard, give us five stars on iTunes because it really counts. If you want to follow us, you can follow us on iTunes and on Spotify and on Google Play and on Stitcher and on um, SoundCloud. And we have Instagram at Watchers of Movies and we have Facebook at Watchers of Movies. And we also have a website, which is watchersofmovies.weebly.com. And if you like what we do and you want to recommend something to us for us to do it, which probably will not be until next year, but you know, we'll, we could get to it at some point. Um, we have gotten some recommendations from new people who haven't recommend recommended things 
before. Yes. So yeah. we do have a full schedule. So yeah, we do. So you know, send us an email, send us a direct message, send us a private message, whatever. Uh, we would love to hear from you. If you want to tell us, if you want to send us an essay about your thoughts about Interview with the Vampire, seriously, we will read it and we would love it. It would be great. Um, and thank you to Mike for our music, our theme music. Yes, Mike Myers. You can find him on Twitter at the Mike Show 42 Thank you, Mike. Did I say our email address? Watchers of Movies at Gmail, my guy? Yeah. Beginning. You did now. Did I leave anything <laughs> out? I feel like I, I left I don't think out. so. I think we're okay. good. <laughs> cool. Great. All right. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. <laughs>